0: My heart's a stereo It beats for you, so listen close Hear my thoughts in every note Make me your yeah. radio And turn me up when you feel low Sorry, This melody a little bit. was meant for you right so there. Sing along you class heroes, baby. If I was just another dusty record on a shelf, would you blow me up and play me like everybody
1: else? If I asked you to scratch my back, could you manage that? Like, yeah, yeah, check it, Trouty, I can handle that. Furthermore, I apologize for any skipping track. It's just the last girl that played me left a couple cracks. I used to, used to, used to, used to, now I'm over that. Cause holding grudges
0: over lovers ancient artifacts. If I could only find a note to make you understand, I'd sing it
2: softly and get rid and grab your my
3: stereo you
2: good evening jennifer
3: good evening ed
2: good evening josh welcome to the gleeful podcast with josh jen and ed ed is currently on campus so he sounds a little um a terrible you could say underwater underwater
1: <laughs> terrible
2: terrible is acceptable um
1: this is this is, this is a one-time occurrence well, work. it
2: happens, and we understand. And um, things are just so crazy right now. This is pretty much the only time we have to uh, we have to do the show, but we're going to get it done. Um, I I know we we have a rule where if the you hear the sirens from across the street from Josh and Jen's house, you have to drink. I don't know if anybody heard that um, military helicopter that just went over, <laughs> but uh, I think that's yeah. also a drink. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> Uh, Drinking we'll ask the chat gallon. room. Uh, welcome to the Gleeful Podcast. You can find us online at gleefulpodcast.com on Twitter at Gleeful Podcast. I'm at Josh Brunell. She's at Jenny B. Creative. He is at Edward Giordano. Jennifer, mid How are we doing? <laughs>
3: doing all right.
2: Had the big Valentine's Day episode this week. Ed, how was your Valentine's Day? My Valentine's Day? Yes.
1: Uh,. Homework filled, work filled, lack of sleep filled. So, like any other day. <laughs>
2: yes, I, uh, I I hear that. We had a very nice. I made Jennifer a filet mignon because it was we eat dead things. I mean, um, Jen- Jennifer
1: must be nice to have a boyfriend. It must be nice. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I was thinking that today. It doesn't suck. I, I wasn't. I wasn't sad yesterday, but today
2: I'm like, oh. Wait, what did your boyfriend get you, Jennifer?
3: <laughs>
2: uh, that <laughs> Jennifer was like from a million miles Wait, away. She's like, what? I don't even know where the joke was on that one. Well,
3: my ex-boyfriend, now husband.
2: Oh, nice. Got me tickets to nice um,
3: a theater event, a musical theater, "101 Years of Broadway." And that's next Friday night. That's
2: quite a few years. It is. How long is the show? (laughs) It's it's a very long show. Um,
3: I hope they're just going to, you know, gloss over the 70s. Yeah, there you go. Even if they did every single
2: year justice, it would still take quite some time.
3: Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's a marathon, to be sure.
2: And Jennifer got me comic books, so, you know,
3: (laughs) awesome. Seemed appropriate. But Uh, it's it's about this... um, This uh, detective who battles the occult. So, it's totally in, you know, Josh's wheelhouse.
2: (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, Well, uh, yes, so welcome to the show, everybody. We are going to um, talk a little bit about Heart, the Valentine's Day episode of Glee. Um, I was very disappointed there was no Heart song. I was surprised when I first saw Heart. I just assumed it was going to be an episode of all... Heart i know music. that's what i literally thought it's like oh are they doing a heart
3: tribute no one told me
2: yeah exactly that's like so i would have read about that
3: yeah that totally didn't even dawn on me and then and josh said that um before dinner tonight and i thought oh yeah that would have been cool so but yeah, only it didn't even dawn on me
2: like unfortunately not very many people in that cast can sing heart songs and so it would have been a little odd mm. to to see, you know, and, and, and I don't know, I guess as much as I love heart, I kind of feel like, uh, American Idol has been there, done that to such an extent where I'm good. not
1: even they've only done alone in that. And one other heart song they could, I, I don't even like my idea of the heart discography is alone. Like <laughs> that,
0: that
2: isn't, that isn't very fair to them. <laughs> you, you're right. They do have other songs. Um, they have In Dreams and Barracuda, and, and the list goes on and on. Uh, okay, of course, okay. I can't think I of any they of they bar- right I guess I didn't know that. <laughs> Uh, Well, but it was a Valentine's Day episode We had a ton of music in this episode We started with Stereo Hearts um, Which Jennifer was like, who does this song? It kind of sounds like Maroon 5 And it is Well,
1: there's a reason for
2: that Exactly (laughs) Jim Class Heroes featuring Adam Levine Um, I really liked this song Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I think I just really liked the song but uh, I thought it was a cool number. This is probably my favorite number for the show, I, or from the episode. I thought it was a cool, a cool song. And of course, we got the first opinion uh, appearance of Samuel Larson, close personal friend to my co-host Edward Di- Gi- Giordano. Um, but uh, Jennifer, what did you think of Stereo Hearts?
3: Oh, I thought it was fun. Um, I it was nice to see more of the group stuff when it isn't them just performing sectionals or performing in nationals. You know, it was nice to see more of them involved in a song together mm. that was a lot of fun
2: it's true that was it's kind of rare right now that we get a song that's not in the choir room right um or With one maybe two people yeah exactly yeah that's true ed stereo hearts oh i think we lost ed i'll get him back ed are you back
3: oh is he just working late today
2: he's on campus he said he's stuck on campus for a mm. little while ed are you back
1: yeah, I'm back. I'm sorry. No I, I actually pulled out the cord, and then everything went crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ed, Stereo Hearts? Um, the song, the song, well, they did awesome. I, like, just the song itself, I, I went through, like, different phases with it. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, do I need another Adam Levine song stuck in my head? And then I listened to the words, necessarily. It's, like, it's really clever, so I guess. I guess I think my favorite part of that song was, I tweeted it, I figured, like, it was like, Trouty can handle that because it's like the original line is Trouty can handle that
2: I was going to check if that was a changed line yeah and he said Trouty can handle that I was like oh -hmm. very funny Um, well we should talk a little about Samuel Larson he was of course introduced in this episode it was funny at one point uh, during the closing number that Samuel and Damien were both in the shot at one point and I'm thinking oh this is kind of weird made me laugh But, uh, sure enough, we did have the, uh, Samuel Larson, his character's name is Joe. Is that correct?
3: Joe. Or Joseph.
2: He's on the God Squad. Uh, he, just as, um, just as Damien did on the show, has appeared as the exact same character that Ryan Murphy discussed for him (laughs) during the Glee project. But Samuel Larson was here. Uh, Jennifer, um, what did you think of Samuel Larson on Glee as an actor? (laughs)
3: I thought it was fine. I I mean, there was nothing outstanding about him, but I certainly didn't have any issue like you presumably have. I hated him. I thought Go. it was fine. I liked
2: him more the second time. The first time I watched him, I think I, I just have such a hard time divorcing them from their... Glee Project characters like from the well, characters it's that it's they played on that show the character is his character so it's like oh okay I don't believe that though I honestly I've honestly come to the opinion that everything that's done on a reality show is some form of performance and so it was really just kind of like you know a character where he made up all the lines and now he's you know the exact same character but he's reciting somebody else's lines I mean he's certainly not acting he's certainly the exact same person that he was on the Glee Project so if you want to make the argument that you know the Glee Project is actually documentary and he wasn't performing well then he's. Not performing on Glee either. The second time that didn't well, bother is, me
1: as much. that's though. what Ryan Murphy wants, because he, any of them could have won. In fact, four of them did. He's like,
2: well, <laughs> like,
1: next next season of the Glee Project. I hope they just. I just hope they like make it straight up. Like, be the character that you want to be
2: on Glee. Yeah, and exactly. If I like it. You'll be on it. <laughs> that's so true. I mean, they kind of did that on the Glee Project, but they never totally embraced it. Like if you remember no, the they, first they episode, it. They, that, that's what will make the Glee project be like, like come up with
1: your character and stick to it. Go.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is though, Ryan Murphy really seemed to I- enjoy the process of workshopping the character with them. At least that's the impression I got. And, hmm. and again, unfortunately the way the elimination process works in this show, that show is you have to be the worst to actually get any FaceTime with him, and then you can talk about it and work through it, and then develop it together. And I mean, I thought it was really fine. I mean, especially you know his his character was homeschooled, so you know he doesn't have a lot of experience interaction with other students. He's <laughs> you know pretty much a loner. You know, I mean himself in the the Glee project. He you know he said he'd been on his own for several years and had been you know working at this and. I mean, to me it all, it all seemed very natural. Like to me, it came off very, very comfortable and natural. Not, not trying too hard, not too uptight about it. Just being himself.
2: Yeah. I guess that's at the end of the day, that's really what it is. I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I like I said, it bothered me the first time. Didn't bother me as much the second time. Um, It was funny. You had mentioned while we were watching the show, you're like, was Samuel that big of a Christian on the Glee Project? And I thought about him, like, he really wasn't until he realized that Ryan Murphy liked it. And yeah. there was this like light bulb that went off o- over his head where he was like, oh, crap, I can get on- I can win if I play this angle. And then he yeah. played that angle hardcore. Like, right. the- so it was only like the last two or three episodes of the Glee Project that he suddenly became really Christian. And up to that mm-hmm. point, it never came up. And he was kind of the rocker guy up to that point.
3: Right. Because, I mean, that's where our neighbor's garbage disposal (laughs) goes on for like
2: minutes. So apparently you also have to drink when our neighbor's garbage (laughs) disposal goes on.
3: (laughs) But once Cameron quit, he opened up the door for that. And and that then Samuel was able to just step right in. Well, and and Cameron kind
2: of played a reasonably, I don't want to say stereotypical Christian character, but it wasn't as unorthodox Uh as when Samuel started playing that character. Uh And yeah, and, and it really, I mean, I think you're right, Ed. I think that what the Glee project did was, you know essentially say you guys we are going to workshop characters for glee you guys come up with the characters we're gonna workshop them we're gonna pick the ones that we like and they didn't really come right out and say it but at the end of the day that seems to be pretty much what they did i mean i don't get the sense that Damien is as awkward or um you know kind of uh uh kind of fish out of water as the character he plays on glee but that's definitely the character he took on over the course of the glee project he seemed a bit more worldly when he first showed up and then he kind of was like oh it works really well if i pretend i don't know what i'm doing here so (laughs) i'm totally gonna do that (laughs) i don't know i guess that's just me ed um at the end of the day though uh, what? How did you feel about Samuel Larson on the show? Did you like his presence? Did you like his character? What was your read of Joe on Glee? I mean, at this moment, it's it's
1: it's difficult to to disconnect the character from the reality show persona. But I mean, I was excited. I was like, I was I was genuinely excited to see him because I was like, oh, I wonder what they're gonna do with him. Hopefully, it won't be lame, but it probably will be. So. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm excited for the potential But I'm reasonable with my expectations
2: Now, I don't know if you noticed There was a, a, a moment um, During the last Like during the uh, the big last Love Shack number, which we'll talk about But there was a moment really briefly Where um, Samuel's kind of off screen He's at, sitting at a table And he's like singing along with Love Shack And he's having a really good time And then he, uh, he looks at the camera and mouths Ed I don't know if you caught that no but, um, way. No, it was it was pretty cool. I was I was I, I
1: didn't watch the last I literally like when the Love Shack started playing, I just like switched screens and like literally just like listened. I'm like, oh but nothing's gonna happen. Of course, <laughs> of course
2: Therefore of course, something would happen, now I have to look it up we had the and that was kind of the thing was the whole God squad uh, plot line that came out from Joe being on the show um, but uh, but before we dive into the god squad let 's listen to them do another song. the plot with the God squad this uh, episode was that the Glee Club did not want to do singing telegrams, and so the God squad took on the singing telegrams they were requested to do a song for Santana and Brittany. And uh, they had a brief religious debate about whether or not that would be appropriate. Uh, the song they did perform was a mashup of Cherish by The Association and Cherish by Madonna. I didn't catch the Cherish by Madonna aspect of it, but maybe I wasn't listening close enough. It was enough. subtle.
3: It was in there.
2: Uh, but something tells me in this full version that we're about to listen to, it'll be much more prominent. This is Cherish and Cherish on the Gleeful Podcast. I you don't know
1: how
0: many times I- turns out.
2: Uh, Just to show how incredibly uncool I am, I did not know that that was a Gym Class Heroes song, but I totally knew this was by the association. And uh, (laughs) because I have the record. Uh, Because Never My Love is on it, and Never My Love is one of the greatest songs ever written. Uh, They also did um, uh, Along Comes Mary. Is that right? Sure. Along Comes Mary. Anyway, it's a great song. The Association, look it up. 60 Psychedelia, have fun. Um, So a little bit of Cherish here. Uh, It was funny when they got to the conversation, or when Santana said, I want you to sing this song for my girlfriend and not my female friend, but my girlfriend. What are you going to do about it? I looked over at Jennifer and I said, well, we're going to go there. Uh, (laughs) Let's see how this goes. Yeah. Because Glee has demonstrated that they're willing to take on very touchy, very timely topics. But they've also demonstrated they don't always know how to handle them very well. (laughs) Like, they will occasionally just totally spike the ball on the one-yard line and, you know, make a disaster of it or drop three passes in the final drive. Really? Uh,
3: (laughs) Why? What did I do to you? Keep going.
2: Um, But I, I thought it was... I thought it was in a really honest, kind of cleverly written conversation that they had, kind of pointing out some of the other things that the Bible has to say, leaving it open-ended, really coming down on, like, it's really, you know, something that you have to look into your heart and decide for yourself. I mean, as far as, like, Glee trying to get deep, I thought it was one of the better examples of it. Uh, Jennifer, the God Squad, talking about that, what did you think?
3: Well, well, okay, Um, when we first watched it last night... I kind of felt like they just breezed through it, but then listening again to it again, uh, listening again to it tonight, um, yeah, it was interesting that they all kind of came at it from different angles, and I, and I appreciate that what they basically came down to is that, you know, being Christian is accepting people, and accepting love in whatever form. I mean, at least that's the gist I got from it.
2: That's kind of the message they came out with, yeah.
3: And I just, I kind of, I just don't even understand kind of why they had the conversation because, I mean, other than Joseph, everybody else seems to be, you know, best friends with other people who are openly gay and in open relationships. And I don't understand why it was even a discussion. Like, it really bothered me that Mercedes was having this conflict. in like, I mean, and she even said, well, you know, it's going to be really hard for me to ask my, my church choir to sing back up. Meanwhile, like, you know, Kurt's one of her best friends.
2: Yeah, you, you'd made that comment when we were watching the show, just kind of like, then, did, none of this is in sequence with how they've, yeah. you know, befriended Kurt over the last uh, two and a half seasons.
3: Yeah, and I mean... I get the impression the only reason Sam is in this club is because of Mercedes and I'm not really sure why Mercedes and you know Quinn are back in it although you know Quinn seems to have made the best most miraculously fast (laughs) recovery and you know she's she's fine again
2: she had that weird comment though where she said uh the only thing that got me through the hard times was prayer though i'm not always sure who i was praying to and i was like is that a punchline or is that an actual comment
3: and then well now i was waiting for that to come up again too but so i mean the the whole the whole issue of using you know god squad to debate whether or not you know it was okay to acknowledge and celebrate santana and britney's love when again, you know, it's like okay, at prom, they had a prom king and a female and a yeah. male prom queen. Yes, it's like, well, what? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> and I know, I know, I know, I know. The show has never shied away from you know major continuity issues. Yeah, but this is just, come on.
2: I, I mean, to me, I just felt it was an excuse to have that conversation. That they wanted to have, right. um, it didn't bother me as much. I guess maybe I've just pitched any hope for continuity <laughs> and acceptability on the show. Yeah. Uh, Ed, what did you think uh, about what? I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> I mean, what did you think about the uh, the conversation about whether or not to sing a song for Britney The God Squad in general. I mean, it was yeah. kind of it, it thought, was definitely dancing. I thought dancing it was a
1: it. very like
2: eye opening
1: conversation. Like it addressed all the all the. All the things that people would like, nor- like religious people would normally say about it, and like it also had the normal rebuttal, so it was it was nice. That it was just like there, so it, yeah, it, uh, was, yeah. it was very. It felt, it felt like an honest conversation of that age group.
2: Hmm. Yeah. It, well. Okay. Well, that's that's definitely valid. I. I uh, yeah. I don't. Yeah. I, like. I don't
3: okay. Know. I mean. So just to, just to go back, I'm okay with their dis. Actually, I'm. I liked their discussion, and I liked really, really liked their outcome. I just didn't understand why this particular group was the one that came to that. Uh, That's all. Oh, because yeah. I mean,
1: they, I, I don't know, just, they, wanted, they, they wanted to put it in there, I guess. They I mean, had like, to, <laughs> yeah,
3: it, it, to make it fit, this was the logical way to do it, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: They've always had this kind of weird dance around... Uh, Mercedes Christianity Mm -hmm. and uh, you know that because she's the most verbally Christian character Mm -hmm. and uh, she's the
3: only one we've ever seen in church
2: exactly and um, you know she she always kind of brings the gospel side I mean it's uh, it's not a particularly big stretch that they play with that character Um, but they've always kind of yeah like danced a little about like how devout she is and Mm. and you know how uh uh where she plays on like these kind of hot button issues it's it's an interesting i don't know yeah (laughs) not quite uh at the end of the day though i guess i don't know it's in this particular case this is one where i felt um glee actually had the conversation in an honest yet funny yet you know um uh the address, addressing all sides you know mm-hmm. like bringing up some of the other inconsistencies in the bible and yet bringing up the tradition of this particular belief and and you know back and forth so in a way i guess i kind of forgave the the other silliness the mm-hmm. other kind of heavy handed aspects of it and the inconsistent or the n- lack of continuity right just because i was kind of like wow they they actually that scene was pretty well written i'm, I'm curious who actually put the words on the paper for that one um, which, you know, cause yeah, there's been so many times where we've just been like, guys, if you're going to play hot button issues, you can't totally like either balk out, you mm-hmm. know, and just be like, Oh, we're just going to pretend, you know, like when yeah. they talked about alcoholism and it yes. was a total, you know, like at a certain point they just kind of went, yeah, we totally brought up this hot button issue, but we're really not going to make any progress on it or yeah. make any statement either way. Um yeah it was a it, it was interesting uh I mean it also kind of gave us the I don't know is it the end of Sam what do you what do you guys think Ed what do you think is this the end of Sam or is this just a step on the path
1: I don't think it's the end of Sam I mean well i I in 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 some conversation about how you're talking about how Mercedes goes to church or whatever I'm like well they need to they need to fill Mercedes with some backstory. With the fact that she just like belts occasionally, like like that's that's like her current that's like her story. Like oh, I belt occasionally. Oh, here's some backstory that you missed along the way. We just ignored it. Um, I think I I would I think it's stupid if it's over because they finally could it could finally happen. They finally like worked it out, and I know she'll feel guilty, but I don't know Quinn will probably be see intervention is going to happen but it's the exact opposite way that I thought it was going to happen she's going to be intervening with everyone else's life making <laughs> make it better like the exact opposite of, a, of the original plan
2: that's actually really funny
3: <laughs> oh so now she's going to you know take all of her, her wisdom and yeah, she, experience and she, grew, she grew
1: 20 years with that with that mm-hmm. nose ring of knowledge she's like oh I get it life
2: I get it I think uh, well, she did uh,
3: try to impart a little bit of, uh, you know, she did try to be the she's voice, like of, voice reason of reason with to Rachel. Rachel. Like, yes, exactly. It's it's gonna,
2: true. Gonna, she's going to
1: come in and she's going to be like Mercedes Sam, you need to be together. Rachel Finn, don't get married, et cetera, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And she's going to solve. Oh, Will and Emma figure it out. Like it's going She's going to like. Quinter, quinterventionize everyone.
2: She did have the most, uh, the most honest disapproval of. Um, of Finn Rachel and, Finn, and yeah. Rachel's situation, of the Finchel situation. Uh, Nailin P20 in the chat room, he said, I think it's the end of Sam Sadie's considering Cord is only supposed to have seven episodes. Uh, <laughs> which is, you know, probably also pretty true. Um, yeah, it, it it's kind of like we finally got to a place where Sam Sadie's was going to happen and then they yanked it out. Almost to the point of we know that Mercedes isn't on the show very much. And when she is on the show, in the past, she's been just kind of diva annoying and kind of, you know, just... This season, yes. Yeah, this season. She's really only been there to, like, serve whatever, you know, foil they needed to make trouble. And here we have Mercedes in a plot line that I actually really like i actually like this kind of love triangle i mean it, it isn't really even a love triangle as much as it's just like is she or isn't she going to commit herself to um i think i'm i'm coming back on you ed are you turned up over there Oh, i'm here okay yeah i think i'm bouncing back on your microphone um but anyway uh the I really like this plot line for for Amber Riley, and yet at the same time, it's it's they're it's pulling the it out from under us, right? When it finally starts to get good.
3: Well, I I don't think it's done for good. Okay, I'm hearing me too.
2: Yeah, here you go. <laughs>
3: um, yeah, I think this is just, you know, they they needed um a big dramatic moment, and you know the 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 episode was all about love songs, and and this one is you know um you know, a broken heart, not, not, not a happy, not a happy love song, but a sad love song. So I think they, they needed that in there. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, I mean, obviously they both have such feelings for each other and they're so sweet together. I I just think this is just a temporary thing because she knows that, you know, she, she hurt Shane and, and she's feeling guilty about it. And I think as time passes, I think, um, I think it'll give them both an opportunity to see that it wasn't just, you know, because things ended too quickly for them before, and then she was with somebody else. Now, I think, I think there is definitely potential for them to have a serious relationship. Yeah, I'd like to see it come back.
2: I, I I would, even if it's just a tag, even if he just comes back for like prom, and. and, uh, you know, and, and kind of they have like, hey, let's hold hands and things will be good. Like, even if it's just for a moment, I think it would be nice to see a little bit of genuine happiness from Mercedes and not, yeah. you know, diva posturing and things and, and running around. Um, and I, I think the fans would really like that. I think that's a nice way to send court off, you know, because... Hey, we might not see Cord again after this season. We barely saw him this, or, you know, we almost didn't see him this season. And it would be nice to see Cord kind of go off into the sunset happy with Mercedes, at least for a little while. Uh, But she did perform I Will Always Love You in response to this um, particular plot line. So um, we can take a listen to that. I think we can assume that this was not written or this was not recorded because of Whitney Houston's passing, I would think it was just a pretty outstanding coincidence for the Yeah, they, the
3: they were calling it um, an accidental tribute.
2: Yes. But uh, well, let's go ahead and take a listen to that. This is I Will Always Love You, performed by Amber Riley, here on the Gleeful Podcast. But I know I'll think of
0: you every step of the way And I the-
2: Song just so I could put a diamond Dolly Parton's pocket, because uh, that's just a nice thing to do. How about the lady. Okay, well, <laughs> not even a chuckle. Uh, but, well, we got a little bit of Houston here. Um, there's, I mean, it's it's pretty much impossible. I mean, Amber Riley has a, a, a lovely voice. She's incredibly talented. No one would ever dispute that, but. She's performing this song that's, you know, obviously fam- made famous by one of the greatest voices in the history of recorded music, and kind of, you know, practically her, like, at least vocally signature song.
3: Absolutely. It's, there's
2: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of hard to say she can keep up with that. <laughs> it's a tough, it's a tall order.
3: <laughs> I thought it was amazing. I-, I thought she did an incredible job with it.
2: Um, Ed, I will always love you. What did you think?
3: I thought
1: Mercedes did a very good job. I mean, just what like you said. It's like a, it's like one of those songs that you just don't do on Idol unless you're doing the the Dolly Parton version. <laughs> That's the only accessible.
3: <laughs> the lesser known you. one. The lesser recognized one. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, you'll never be able to compete. Uh, so mm-hmm. we got to talk about Finchel. We got to talk about Rachel's dads. We met the gay dads. We've been asking. Since episode one, when are we going to meet the gay dads? They actually were written into the pilot and then cut. I've read a version of the pilot where the gay dads are in there. Right. Um, But they were eventually cut. We got uh, Jeff Goldblum and Brian Stokes Mitchell as the dads. Jeff Goldblum, um, also not an actor. His band plays in L.A. all the time, and they're constantly like every single week. I get an email that's like half price, quarter price. Please go see. They
3: will pay you to go see Jeff Goldblum's band. All right. Um, so I know people that have gone, and they, he still, He fills up the room.
2: I've heard it's crazy fun. I've yeah. heard he plays like games and all kinds of yes, stuff. Oh very, yeah. I've heard, I didn't say I didn't. Yeah. Very fun and. Um. So we got the. Uh, we got the the. The Gay Dads in this episode. Oh, Brian Stokes Mitchell, who's a Tony Award winner Broadway performer. But okay. um, i but
3: also done a ton of TV. Yes. Like, going back to the 70s. I mean, I recognized him from stuff. I mean, not stuff that I actually watched, oh, wow. but I recognized him.
2: That's impressive. Yeah. Uh, well, so we finally got the Gay Dads. Jennifer, <laughs> what did we think of Rachel's Dads?
3: I think I was just in such shock that it hadn't quite sunk in. Because I didn't read anything about, you know, I don't know if it was leaked or, or if there were, you know, teasers or spoilers out there as to who they were going to be. So I was completely shocked. And I think the first viewing, I just zoned out because I was just still taking it all in that um, of who these guys were. But that said, they were really cute and charming together. And I thought that she was really cute with them, too. Hmm. I still kind of am like processing the fact that it's like these two known actors,
2: <laughs> uh, Ed, Rachel dads. What'd you think? I thought they were cool.
1: I mean, they were kind of, they kind of embodied what I expected and, and it was, it was, it was nice to see them. I don't know. I don't like, I'm wondering how necessary at this point it was, but it was, it was they were so they were still so fun. They were fun. Hopefully, they'll be in additional episodes, I suppose.
2: See, I think that's kind of how I felt about it. Is It's so late in the game now yeah. that I, I, I felt exactly the way you did, Jennifer. Like, the entire time they were on screen, I kept having to remind myself that they were supposed to be, you know, these two dads that we've been hearing about for so long. In whose
3: picture? We saw.
2: We saw in episode one, which we've all seen a hundred times.
3: And neither one of them looked like either one of them.
2: And I was picturing (laughs) much more of the dads from episode one. Dorkier. Not.
3: A little quieter. Not
2: Rachel. Like, I wasn't expecting to get two big, you know, male Rachels. I was really expecting to get, you know, kind of quieter, goofier, like more adoring dads. Um, I I just kept thinking like. Yeah, exactly. I kept expecting to get stage dads I I was watching it thinking like I don't think these dads would create that daughter like they're too anxious to get the spotlight themselves to ever put the spotlight on her
3: yeah they're they're too big they would have raised an introvert
2: exactly like you could not compete with those two personalities as a child not when you're so you would just get quiet there's also that seriously. <laughs> and I found Jeff Goldblum to be really distracting for some <laughs> reason, like being, you know, cause Jeff Goldblum is just being Jeff Goldblum. Like he gave up trying to do anything else years ago. <laughs> like pretty much when he but did like so, Jurassic so... park and ID four, he was like, Oh, you're going to pay me to do that. I'll just do that
3: forever. And he's still great at it though.
2: <laughs> oh, I think he's really good, but yeah, it was just like, he was so manic. He was so in it. And then, you know, uh, I felt like Brian Stokes Mitchell was, like, kind of trying to compete a little bit. Like, they're just so both too big. You yeah. can't put those two people together. They're both too yeah. big. <laughs> but
3: I did think when they were singing together at the piano, it was really cute.
2: That that part of it was very cute. Yeah. And watching, I actually preferred watching Carol's reaction to anything. She was just adorable. <laughs> trying to be like, I don't know.
3: <laughs> and Finn, Finn's so like totally stoked he's like why don't we do this <laughs> exactly <laughs> and she's looking
2: at him like are you kidding me uh we should take a quick listen they recorded a version of you're the top um i don't know if it's the one that they performed the show or how close is it but here's a bit of a you're the top with jeff goldblum and brian stokes mitchell
0: Instead of getting them off my chest, to let them rest, unexpressed. I hate parading, my serenading, as I'll probably miss a bar. But if this ditty is not so pretty, at least, least it'll tell, tell you, you how great, great you are. You're the top, Leroy. You're the Colosseum. You're the top, oh baby. You're the Louvre Museum. You're a melody from a symphony by Strauss. You're a Bendel bonnet. Or
2: Shakespeare sonnet. You're
0: Mickey Mouse.
3: (laughs) Uh, It's very animated. (laughs) Yes,
2: it's very animated. Um, And I think, of course, the the main complaint or observation that we heard is, of course, that there wasn't a black one. (laughs) Now, mind you, Brian Strickmiss is half black, and so I understand that that's the angle that they played. Mm -hmm. Um, But... They made such a big deal that the joke was that she had a white and a black dad. (laughs) And Brian Stokes Mitchell
3: doesn't even look outstandingly
2: ethnic. I don't know. It's just kind of confusing. (laughs) Well, he has a
3: very ethnic look about him. And it is funny because looking at the three of them together, I could see how... Both of their genes could have contributed to Rachel. <laughs> I, I, I think it was a, a great mix. I mean, and, and he he is a very mixed race. Actually, I looked it up today. He's German, Scottish, African, and Native American. Wow. So he is quite quite a blend of cultures there. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think, okay, the second viewing helped because once I got over the shock that, A, they're going to be known actors and b they're not going to be anything resembling the um the actors on the or the the guys in the photograph so
2: yeah that's true yeah i think that's part of it is if we like we've watched this show so close and i probably Mm -hmm. like i said i've probably seen that pilot 10 times oh i can close my eyes and still see them yeah exactly i I know exactly what they look like Yeah. yeah I think I'm friends with one of them on Facebook, for God's sake. Because like, they had the
3: campaign to, to be the dads. Yeah,
2: yeah, he was campaigning to get on the show. Um, so I think, yeah, it was just kind of like oddly distracting in that way. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, Glee being continuity as Glee is, hey, what are you going to do? So <laughs> we don't worry about it too much. Now, um, they, we learned that the, uh, the dads are not too thrilled with the Finchel, Finchel ma- wedding even though they at first were trying to tell us that they were uh, thrilled with the Finchel wedding. Um, and they had that strange scene of letting putting the two of them in bed together. Uh, Ed, um, are, how are you... I don't know off the top of my head if I can say, how do you feel about the Finchel wedding? Where are you on that particular topic? I mean, I... I maybe it's because
1: I haven't committed to a side, I suppose. <laughs>
3: Do you think it's going to uh, happen?
1: I don't think it's going to happen, but I honestly don't think it would be the worst thing in the world. I mean, I mean, divorces happen,
2: and <laughs> it might actually work. Interesting. Uh, I mean, if you go into it, I mean, I obviously like this is like the worst reason to
1: get into marriage. But if you're, like, if you're going into it, that you might get a divorce, but it might work out then.
2: Honest <laughs> it perspective. <laughs> it's I did love so when when they announced it to the Glee Club, and Puck said, "Oh, that's great. When's the baby due?" Yeah. <laughs> right.
3: Uh, I just, I just felt like it was kind of silly that you know both sets of parents tried to use this you know three's company reverse psychology gimmick to try to break them up. It's like, come on, yeah. who thought for half a second that by forcing them to get or encouraging them to be together is going to drive them apart. Like, come on. All it's i like 2012.
2: Think, I spent that entire scene waiting for one of them to like, wake up, you know, like, Oh, dream sequence. or like, Oh, we're messing with you. Or you actually thought we'd do that. That's what crazy people do. And yet they totally. You parts
1: was faith in people, Josh.
2: <laughs> well, my other thing was I kept, like watching it and trying to make sense of it, I kept thinking, this happened to one of the writers. Like one of the writers had a friend who was getting married in high school and their parents were like, oh, this is how we're gonna split them up. We're gonna, you know, and and it totally worked, but on our TV show, it won't. And everybody said, that's a stupid storyline. No one will buy that. And their argument was, but it actually happened to my friend. And and I kept thinking that's the only way that that storyline got past the outline. And somehow got into the show. I just couldn't deal with how absurd the concept was.
3: Oh, yeah. It was totally ridiculous. Like, out of a seventy sitcom, I just didn't. I just. I just. I, I, yeah, the whole thing was just a little bit absurd. <laughs> and I felt like Carol and Bert were wasted. Not yeah, wasted, were. like, drunk, but just wasted in the episode. I feel like there was a lot of lost potential for something
2: really good yeah they were barely there even mm-hmm. it was kind of odd that they uh but
3: she looked good like that dress she
2: was well dressed yes and he has no hair um yeah it was it was it was just i don't know yeah i, I really struggled with that aspect of it i mean it's i kind of like the dramatic twist that they are going to continue pretending that they approve of everything she does but mm-hmm. secretly are going to conspire against her um I, I I mean I do think that will make for good story in the future. Um so I like that aspect of it, but that yeah the way that that plot line played out just didn't feel uh just didn't feel good at all.
3: Yeah. Um
2: we did have Damien. I I keep calling him Damien. We had Rory <laughs> and already battling for uh Sugar's heart in this episode. Sugar. Sugar, yes. And uh apparently Sugar's father is not in the mob. Which good to are, know we are supposed to remember uh, for no reason whatsoever and uh, yeah we and we, that was an, a, a kind of a wacky plot line you know Artie and rory battling over the same girl um, i i think it was just kind of an i think it was just kind of a nice excuse to get a little valentines you know Raya valentines Lurie. stuff going on in there and it gave rory something to do which rory usually doesn't have that much to do yeah
3: but it was just i mean just 2 weeks ago Sugar totally You know Just Without question Without hesitation Turned down Artie And now she's actually Considering it
2: That's true I, That's true I know
3: that's Continuity issue <laughs> But I did think The way um, They showed Their competing Rivalry For her attention How it was Escalating And it's yes. like Artie with the stuffed puppy But Rory with the real puppy That was a very so cute So adorable yeah. and, then, and then Hey We got to see Tina she and Mike were singing and dancing and that was cute. So that's true. It was again. I like when they use the song as the background to, to show other stuff unfolding. I thought that was really, really well done. And um, yeah, so it was, it was a cute idea. And you know, the fact that they were competing to be her date at her couples only party where half the people showed up without dates. <laughs>
2: that is true. Including Artie. <laughs>
3: yeah. just, yeah <laughs> but um but i thought it was cute it was you know ridiculous and um at the end when she's like i'll be so sad when you're deported and he kind of had that funny look and he said well, well let's not think about it right now do you think he lied about getting oh, deported absolutely oh, okay
2: i mean absolutely he came up but i i thought that as it was happening quite honestly um, but yeah, no, I think he absolutely lied about it, and I was expecting there to be some kind of payoff for that. But uh, maybe we'll get it in a later episode. Maybe not. You never know. His days are numbered, as we are aware. Ed, given the choice, who would win, Artie or Rory? Rory, God. <laughs> I
1: mean, is it
3: the accent or the fact that? Ah, uh,
1: I mean, maybe, maybe it's the bipedalness. That doesn't hurt anything. Aww. <laughs> yeah, I, but I would, wow. I would, I would say, I would probably say Rory
2: for, for a variety
1: of reasons, not just that one.
2: Well, I'm sure uh, there's a couple people in the uh, in the chat room who would agree with you. I can name them off the top of my head. Uh, so, yeah, we did get a pretty cool number from Tina. We haven't seen Tina in a while. Oh, oh okay. I was I was like listening to it, like they watched
1: the sequence, and I was like hold on, hold on, Tina's singing. I was like, yeah. what? I was like, I was, I was in shock, first I was in shock when she had a line, I was like, what? She just spoke? And then, then when she <laughs> had a song
3: and didn't cry, I practically I died. <laughs> yeah. And she got to finish the song, you're right.
2: <laughs> it was huge, it was huge. Um, and, well, here, let's take a listen to that real quick before we uh, move on, because we have one last plot line, plot line that we uh, have to discuss, and as I know it will bring many joy, much joy to the people in the chat room, it has nothing to do with Will. No. So here's a bit of uh, L-O-V-E with uh, Jenna Ushkiewicz and Henry Chum on Jenny. vocals on the global Podcast. Is very, very extraordinary
3: He is even more than anyone that you
0: adore and love is all that I can give to you
2: Love is more than just Gave for two Two in
0: love can make it Take my heart and please don't break it Love
2: was made for me and We should, before we leave, we should definitely talk about Kurt, Kurtovsky, Uh and a little bit of drama there with Kurovsky. It was a really short storyline, but they definitely found some room for it. Kurt having a secret admirer in this episode that turned out to be Kurovsky, and uh, Kurovsky saying, I think I love you um, in the middle of breadsticks. Uh, Jennifer, how did you feel about this uh, this plotline? Uh, was it was it nice? Was it too little, too
3: late? What did you think? Um, I think it was. Uh, okay. I think it was interesting. Um, I do like that they do bring him back because I I think there there's a lot more potential there, and he just you know, after the way last season wrapped up and then he was just gone. It's good to see Karofsky again. And, you know, as he's going through this process, you know, in at at this stage of his life. But, um, I just, I didn't get how clueless Kurt was about the secret admirer. Yeah. That was,
2: yeah, that was just for television. And (laughs) it's
3: just like, I mean, like what was in that killer rock salt slushy combination Mm -hmm that, you know, had him bedridden for weeks. <laughs> I just don't get it. Um, and so so because he's, you know, um, laid up in bed, Kurt and Blaine don't talk on the phone. <laughs> yeah, a couple of things that I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. Cause, and like we none of us believed for a second it was Blaine. Um, but it just... I, can, I, can, I get the notes, I get the, the stuff, but the fact that he actually showed up at Breadsticks, I find it very hard to believe because even if Kurt had accepted, you know, his advances and, 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 and was interested in a relationship with him, I don't think that he would have been ready to face all of his former classmates in that setting in that romantic relationship, you know? Mm. Yeah, I mean,
2: I mean, all the kind of logistics of it aside, it was a I mean, it was nice to see Max Adler on the show, though. He does look like 40. Um, and, uh, it, and I don't know. I guess I kind of went back and forth on it. Like when I first thought I was like, "Ooh, this is a neat twist. And then the second time I watched it, I kind of thought oh, it just feels almost too random yeah. to really be believable. um just kind of came out of nowhere. I don't know. Ed, um, we've got Kartofsky here. And Max Adler's return. What did you uh, think of Kurtusky. him being Kurt's uh, Kurt's secret admirer?
1: I think they use it as a device to set up a bigger plot with Sebastian. Oh
2: really?
1: I mean, not so much him. I mean, just 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 like how Kurt wouldn't even consider not like cheating, and then and then like i like guess like a bigger picture thing not like an interaction direct and be, that would be too much continuity gosh
3: hmm. so you think that <laughs> blaine is going to be tempted but give in to temptation
1: yes
2: really really well we shall uh, that's an interesting twist on it yeah. um, oh, of course and of course it was completely random yeah and yeah. probably shouldn't have happened and really didn't make
1: sense but <laughs> but if if what i say is the case you'll forgive it in the long run Interesting
3: <laughs> So we just have to hold out for the big payoff
1: I think that's, I think that's Glee in general like, <laughs> yeah, like no I, li- I
3: literally think
1: We're holding off for the big payoff Is the definition of Glee the TV show
3: Yeah <laughs> It well, did promise us a lot
2: <laughs> Yeah but uh, you know we, we, still, we still come back week after week So <laughs> um, we, we seem to believe That there is, there is still uh, A chance
3: Oh And sorry, this is one other glaring um, continuity issue for me. I just don't understand how Figgins could call um, call Brittany and Santana into his office when all last season he was defending Kurt.
2: Yeah, that, like that to, scene felt really almost unnecessary. It was just a setup that she was going to request this song from the religious club. Yeah. I, um, and I didn't think it even needed to be there. I thought there was another so I, way to so, so set let's, that So let's see this straight. When they were writing this episode, they are like,
1: we want to address homosexuality during Valentine's Day. How could we do that? <laughs> well, God group, bring in Sam. Mercedes is a the catalyst. Therefore, and then like... like that that was the for some reason i expected that there was complaint like the the complaint i thought it was going to come from joe yes yeah i expected that to happen because i don't know that that might have brought the conversation full circle
2: but not so much and in the last couple episodes there's been a lot of students complaints (laughs) <laughs> I know it's
1: like it's the, like their new go-to. and
2: yeah, they have a serious uh, a serious complaint process at that. I think I think they just realized that they could have students complain, and they're like, yes. "Oh, this opens up so many doors." <laughs> Let's uh, take a listen to a couple of voicemails. Uh, here is uh, Theater Knitter. Hey, Josh, Jen, and Ed. It is Betsy, otherwise known as Theater Nitter from Salem,
0: Massachusetts. So, actually, I uh, love the Valentine's Day episode. It had its flaws, but of course Glee has its flaws. Students eating lunch outside in February and October. However, uh, <laughs> but I'm actually calling because best love songs. I can't bring it down to just one, but there's one that I do love. It is called Scratch. It is by Kendall Payne, and it's a really, really pretty song, and I think it's a fabulous, fabulous love song. Um, from a musical theater perspective, there is, of course, Uh, my favorite, which is Alive. I think it's a fabulous love song. It's from Company. Josh, you understand. (laughs) And um, from another song that Josh Grubin, uh, I'm sorry, not Josh Grubin, but Alanis Morissette, I love Head Over Feet. I think it's a wonderful love song. I really do. So uh, my top three love songs would be Head Over Feet, Alanis Morissette, Uh, Sketch By Pain, if you don't know it, listen to it, it's really pretty, and uh, from Company, Being Alive. Uh, Great always love the podcast, love talking to you all, and if I can stay up late enough, maybe I'll listen live. Okay,
2: talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs> uh, yes, I did ask on Twitter uh, for people's favorite love songs, and uh, I will be asking Jennifer and Ed that question in just a second, but before we get there, here's Jared from Wisconsin.
1: Hi, Justin and Ed. This is Jared from Wisconsin. Um calling calling Delay-In. Uh, I really liked the episode. I thought it was really good. But um, I really liked uh, Rachel's dads. My only complaint though was that one of them wasn't at least black. I didn't mind that they were this not this, I wouldn't mind if they were the same two people, but I would have liked to see one of them black. But um, also I really liked the God Squad and
0: Breadsticks, aka the Sugar Shack, <laughs> and I just really liked, liked the episode. Thought it was funny and.
1: Probably it was better than um, better than Spanish teacher, definitely for sure.
2: Okay, bye. I don't think anyone would argue uh, argue you on that point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's Lauren from Tennessee.
0: Hey, Josh and Ed, it's know Lauren from Arlington, Tennessee. I wanted to give you my thoughts on last night's episode of Glee. I really, really liked it. I loved Mercedes' cover of Winnie Houston's "I Will Always Love You," and I loved Rachel's gay dad, even though in the pilot episode, one of her dads was black. I was really shocked that Karafki was particularly admirer and not blamed, but I think Kurt handled it well. He told Karafki that he couldn't go out with him. The only problems I had in this episode was the fact that Finn just let Rachel uninvite Kurt and Quinn to the wedding. That really bothered me. And when Rory lied to and told Sherger that he needed not get his student visa renewed. I adored seeing the license, Morrison and was kind of happy to finally get a Christian Hector, But overall the episode was amazing. I love your podcast and can't wait to hear it. Bye.
2: Thank you very much. Yeah,
3: that's great. Uh,
2: and from yeah. a bit of a Brian Stokes Mitchell theater perspective, here is Molly Keeper.
0: Fantastic. and Ed. This is Rachel um, Molly Keeper. Uh, and I would like to give you a four-word review of last night's episode. Stokes didn't sing, sing devastated. Yeah. How can you dangle brian stokes mitchell in front of all of us and not have him saying i was very upset which leads to my second part of the review is clothes stayed on i've explained before that there are a couple of notes that brian stokes mitchell can hit where my clothes will fall off (laughs) so i stayed fully clothed during the episode that's all i have to say
2: thanks bye Uh, we're about to lose ed so i'm disappointed um, for her because Ed, you have to leave the uh, you have to leave the computer lab.
1: Can, uh, the building that I'm in is getting closes at 11:30. Oh so. wow!
3: Okay.
2: Well, uh, well, Ed, uh, thank you for thank you for joining us. Thank <laughs> you,
1: and I will be back next week with better audio quality.
3: Okay.
2: <laughs> Good night. Well, Ed. Don't work too hard. Bye. Right. Thanks. Bye. And uh, before we go, here is of course listeners Sarah and Caitlin.
0: Hi, Justin that's Sarah. And that's Caitlin. And my three words for the episode are so freaking cute. Seriously, this episode was adorable, especially the Sugar Shack party at six Mine are more dads, please. It was everything I hoped for these past three seasons, and now I slightly understand how Rachel Berry came to be Rachel Berry. They need an episode. Sarah. And we also love Brad rolling his eyes at Rachel and Finn kissing by the piano. He also <laughs> needs an episode. Or at least a voiceover. <laughs> You know, I imagine it'd be like Morgan Freeman. Since your voice can be anybody in your head, Becky says, I imagine Brad would use someone who is acclaimed and celebrated when they speak. Because when Morgan <laughs> Freeman talks, everyone listens. And they think Brad is furniture. Anyway, can't wait for regional. Bye. <laughs>
3: That's awesome. <laughs> that would be amazing. Instead of having really the funny. narrator kind of do the voiceover, or people have, you know, their inner monologues. If the whole episode was from Brad's point of view with his inner monologue, that would be amazing. <laughs> That's pretty hilarious. Uh, I picture more of a James Earl Jones voice, though.
2: Interesting.
3: Kind of deep and smoky.
2: Um. Well, Somewhat you know, Jennifer, I don't know if you've read about this on the Internet. But before we go, we have to discuss it. Because it's just too hilarious. You know, E! Online had a voter poll of TV's top couple. And the winner, by a landslide, is a Glee couple. Can you guess who it was?
3: I know. Who? Did you see the mashup video?
2: No, I did not see a mashup video.
3: Oh, th- somebody put together a fan video. It's, um, Fabre... for Faye, Faye Berry.
2: It is Quentin Fabre... Quentin, Quinn. nice. Quentin Fabre and Rachel Berry won eon lines voter poll for tv's top couple so and as the this article on whatpaint.com describes them the never has been and never will be bayberry
3: who like what the
2: hell people
3: somebody put together a video <laughs> somebody edited together the scenes of you know them looking at each other maybe holding hands and then um when um when Santana's walking with uh, Rachel uh, across the you know the outside area and saying I'm all in favor of everybody you know a- anybody being in a relationship with anybody they want <laughs> and then you know then they, they edited together some like stolen glances at each other and and then um, yeah it was just really it was really cutely it was really well done and then I guess to thank their fans um, uh, Lee Michelle and uh, yeah, Diana a- Agron. Yeah, they tweeted a picture of them holding a heart together.
2: <laughs> so it's, I, like, I just saw that. I was like, "This is the dorkiest thing." Like, this is this is the internet right here. This oh, yeah. is how the internet continues to rule <laughs> our lives. Is because it created Fayberry, and then they won a con or won a poll okay. with a c- couple that doesn't actually exist.
3: D- tell me that has never crossed your mind. Well,
2: like. You know, not (laughs) exactly, not outwardly. Uh, (laughs) So, anyway, you
3: know, I know you. (laughs) Um,
2: Well, I think uh, Josh is
3: blushing. I
2: think, all told. Valentine's Day episode. I really enjoyed it. It's, I, I, it's definitely one of my favorites for the season. I think it was a total blast, and I think it was some of the best music we've had all season. It was a real blast of an episode, was, especially after last week.
3: Yeah, <laughs> it was absolutely fun and totally adorable. Um, obviously, I had a lot of complaints about continuity and motivation and all that stuff. But all of that aside, is still really really good
2: it continued you know it's it's it was one of those episodes where i was like oh this is why i still watch this show because it still has moments where it's just a blast uh one last thing i think we can all agree that chris colford does a much better fred schneider than darren
3: Darren chris sounded horrible in this song
2: (laughs) he just he had no business doing that part of the song he should have been singing one of the girls parts
3: yeah maybe that was it he,
2: to- he totally could have been singing the the redheads part and it would have been perfect uh,
3: what, you know. what was it it uh, was a redhead and a blonde I know okay
2: well you know he couldn't do the blondes
3: part. okay I, um, <laughs> I did I liked Sugar's introduction of him back from the dead and totally and as cute and compact as ever yes <laughs> I like, oh, that's appropriate
2: uh, if you'd like to weigh in on anything we said tonight you can email us at gleefulpodcast at gmail.com you can find the website which is at gleefulpodcast.com we're on Twitter at gleeful podcast I'm at uh, Josh Pernell she's at Jenny B creative ed is it Edward G Ordano and uh, you can also find us on Facebook if you just go to Facebook and search for our gleeful podcast and you can like the show there and talk to the fans We want to thank everybody in the chat room. Hello, everyone in the chat room. Um,
3: Thanks for coming out so late Yes, thanks for joining us so
2: late. And um, gosh, I think that's it. I uh, used to be a DJ on a cruise ship, which means I've heard this song enough for four lifetimes.
3: I used to go to a lot of dance clubs, so... Yeah. I too have heard this quite a bit,
2: <laughs> and uh, I've attended a wedding or two, so I've heard this song a few times. <laughs> uh, for the Gleeful Podcast with Josh and Ed, I'm Josh. I'm Jen, and uh, reading in from Ed, wherever he is, on Glee Jazz hands. Good night, everyone. Out. <laughs> Peace out. Peace <laughs> out. Jennifer, I forgot to ask, your favorite love song?
3: <laughs> I, oh, Okay, I did remind you about it, but now I'm getting kind of stumped. Every um, breath you take? That's, <laughs> when I was, you know, in my stalking phase, yeah, that was a great,
2: <laughs> a great, a great song.
3: Um, I'm, I'm going to go with um, Steven Wonder as.
2: Ah, there you go. Obviously, I'm going to go with... Um, uh, Ray LaMontagne's "You Are the Best Thing."
3: Well, I was gonna go with that too. I mean, it was our wedding song, and then I thought, um, "Hold, you, hold you in my arms," by Ray LaMontagne. That's another one. Was, oh, that's a good one too. I wrote it down because I always forget the title. I always have. Yeah, I've always had a warm
2: five or uh, "Please Forgive Me" by David Gray, which is kind of a modernish.
3: It's amazing love song, but, we, but because it's
2: a love song that never actually uses the word love.
3: But it implies it in all the right ways that aren't creepy (laughs) or stalkerish or could not hold up in court as evidence. (laughs) Uh, uh. Good night, everyone. Good night. Happy belated Valentine's Day.